I get to do whatever I want. However I want. Whenever I want it. My dad. I'd love him if I didn't hate him. He spent a fortune hiring every expert on the planet to grow back that equipment you blew off from between my legs. Just so the old fart can hold out some kind of hope of having a grandkid. Although, as you can see, there were some side effects. I'm not complaining, though. Since you've been gone, I've been having the time of my life. Now you've led me back to your darling Cordelia. We all wondered who wrote all those letters. She left not a clue. Clever girl. So pretty. So pretty. Ah, a little old for my taste, but I can forgive that just this once. Dad, don't scream. Whatever he does to you, don't scream. She'll scream. I'm gonna take all night doing dear old Nancy, and you're gonna die knowing that it's all your fault. You've all screamed, Hardigan. Dozens of them, maybe a hundred. Eight years worth, every one of them has screamed. And if there weren't so many people here about, I would show you how I'm gonna make dear old Nancy scream. It's gonna be one hell of a show. Mr. Deniston, that, that went off the rails. <laughs> Well, uh, I've in a good way. <laughs> in the episodes where we stay on point uh, early on for perhaps too long, there's like, uh, I guess the respect of like the devil on our shoulders that are willing to break out. And if if both of us are on point, that means the end of the episode is going to be, uh, you know, depravity. That's it. <laughs> like, so you're saying like, we stayed on point for too long with yeah, this? I think so, because <laughs> we actually did a long stretch there on Marathon Man. Uh, into what works about the movie, what didn't, and then I'm like, oh, it's coming. Like, yeah. actually, we're going <laughs> to... Can't do it. We have to. It's yeah. like, we got to stay on brand. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of on brand, this brand is Marcus Played. Thank you for listening. Uh, you won't for long, I assure you. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> I'm going to stay on brand, bouncing off of uh, really the only thing I want to talk about on last week's show, which is my love of Brittany Murphy. And you brought Clueless to the table, and Clueless is probably not the, uh, certainly not now, not the most ideal version to be talking about Pinup Girl, because I believe she was a teenager. I believe she was like 15 uh, when she was I, Every that. time you talk about her, you like dial her age back a notch. Yeah, you, I think you called her like 17 the first time. Now she's 15. And like, are, where she's are we underage. Go- where are we that? going with this, Michael Dennison? However, uh, you know, I was 12 when that movie came out, so I always put that into evidence as well. Okay, She's so you see, you think woman. it's fair for you to, to continue, now that you're a 40-year-old man, to continue to ogle the, the teenager? I am not, but I'm moving it into decidedly adult territory with Sin City. That's what I'm doing. Mm. I'm cleaning it up by... Making uh, it having, legal. <laughs> having the appropriate pinup material. Uh, Plenty is, of it here. Yeah, pretty much uh, everyone uh, here is pinup material. Even the men who don't show a lot of flesh... Uh, they are hyper masculine. They are hyper masculine, but they're really uglied up. I mean, they've got you've got Clive Owen even. He's not. I think he's the only one, right? He's the okay. only one that stays in his. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Mickey Rourke probably you know surgeryed himself into this. Right? That might be his natural look now. Um, yeah. Then you've got Benicio del Toro with that weird nose thing prosthetic that he's got going on. Which he insisted on, by the way. I, I read some trivia that he they weren't going to do it. They were just I read that. Benicio. And yeah. He, <laughs> but he's also. 
you know, he's playing a shit. He's he's not playing one of the heroes. He's playing one of the uh, the targets, I guess, for the heroes. Even your personal hero, your life coach, uh, the little hobbit, uh, he is sort of weirded up with those like crazy eyes and all that stuff. Your your role model for life. I kind of like. Um, so I dated a girl uh, once who um, you know, you're, you're talking about celebrities uh, that you basically like to have sex with, which is a common dinner topic for me, especially in particular with someone I'm in a relationship with. I'm pretty sure Brittany Murphy came up at some point and I noticed that she had a thing for really small men, really short men. Elijah Wood was Murphy, one of them. Brittany Murphy did. Not Brittany Murphy, the girl I dated. Oh, Really, Brittany Murphy had a thing for overweight drug dealers. That's a that's a that's an alarm. That's a red flag. I think. I thought so, and I I thought like, hmm. Now wait a minute now, because I'm six feet tall. Everyone you're talking about is like five foot one. Like you're talking about the the smallest of the small men. Like I mean, she could have gone through the the Hobbiton like family oh, yeah. history. <laughs> Who ended the relationship? If you don't mind me asking, did you or uh, did she? That that would be me. <laughs> I think you did the right thing, Michael, because you're setting yourself for not just cuckolding, but being cuckolded by a little person. And I think <laughs> by Elijah Wood, where you can't even see his eyes. He's just a silhouette just, you know, coming for me. Now, can you imagine this relationship continues and, you know, wedding day comes and you, for some crazy reason, decide to invite your podcast friends to your wedding and in shows up the Grendel and your mm. bride to be smallest is- of the small overcome with lust <laughs> this the- has been the weekly promotion for a podcast directed by by Hiro, who never mentions the title and never mentions the host's name he's just the grindle yeah got a new twitter handle by the way that you don't approve of i don't i thought it was so weak i mean the opportunity was there the handle was there i sent them multiple screenshots personal text uh, you coward come after it no darn that dave get out of here with that or whatever the hell he went with the Grendel, it was there for the taking. I, uh, all right, we're, we're off the rails of Sin City already. Ruined Especially, you know, which is crazy that we're off the rails of Sin City, considering this is, uh, this is a fruitful territory for red meat, uh, Michael Denniston. It's, uh, it's an anthology. So we're getting three of these stories with various, uh, various, uh, attractive ladies, mm. uh, and men, um, I guess you would say this is like men trying to save women. Even even the uh, like Rosario Dawson uh, in her story, where she's like the leader of this section of the city. She she runs it uh, as a sort of like mafia head uh, of these these prideful girls, which I'm in favor of. Look at you, <laughs> not the other way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say like that's you know maybe that's a criticism that it's one of those things where. Since he promotes the idea of like a strong woman, uh, but they're always in some way being saved uh, or scantily clad. By yeah, yeah. I mean, Jessica Alba is, is one of those. Uh, it's one of those Natalie Portman and closer things—a stripper that never actually strips. Which look at you, <laughs> take it off, take it off. Well, Michael Denniston, uh, Marcus played. Yeah, I, I just don't uh, – I, I don't know if that's being kind to the, the actor or if there's still some prudishness of the sex trade. I'm just pro-sex uh, worker. I'm, you're, I'm you're, you're, you're like uh, give Carla Gugino the Oscar for this for this film. Man, that's that's the one right there. That's the... I think here's where you and I will agree. <laughs> I mean if we're going to go full hot or not. 
I'm a Carla Gugino fan. Like, it, it, and, and not just this movie. I there's Carla Gugino's right in the going back to like Spin City days. All of it. I don't care. Even like I just saw her recently in like a with, with like gray hair, like long gray hair. Amazing. Like wow, Silver Fox. There, 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 I promise you, there are some stories in this, <laughs> this film, but it's clearly the wrong material for Marcus played. I, I'm going to attempt to uh, redirect, uh, and I, I really apologize to our my uh, my chosen podcast here, uh, which is Hacker Slash Hiro. Mm, uh, what is this? This is a uh, horror movie a review podcast. So, uh, continuing my uh, recent streak of not just finding a podcast talking about our chosen film. I'm going to use it as a means to introduce our topic, which is not just uh, hot or not. Uh, although I assure you valued listeners, we will get back to that at some point. We'll, we'll try to be good for a 10 minute stretch and then we'll, we'll give in to our, our base instincts. So they were talking about um, last year's black Christmas remake, which um, I don't think I caught that one. We uh, we did it on sober cinema. Me and uh, Nasty Hellcat uh, had a good good time talking about it. It was a decidedly mixed to negative reviews, uh, as memory serves. Uh, my main memory of it was that it got attacked before the release for uh, being too woke, where it was a decidedly feminist uh, version of it, which um, is I think a little unfounded, considering I think that horror movies have been flipping that script for a long time i mean if anything the horror movie genre usually that the whole trope of the final girl usually a woman is ultimately the hero right. or the yeah. survivor of the of this you know whatever trauma it, it feels like like horror movies have long been a like a very solid medium to to put some sort of message out there right mm -hmm. like yeah your, your yeah. favorite it follows there's obviously some stuff there you know we, we get that okay so it's interesting. So you have to, you have two women on this on this particular episode. It's normally uh, you know they kind of rotate uh, hosts uh, a little bit, and uh, it was very much a divide between the two of them. And the divide was uh, the agreement on the message, but allowing the the message uh, to override having an enjoyable narrative, uh, where you you basically have to come in and agree with the politics to enjoy the film as opposed to enjoying the film. And then maybe as what you're saying, uh, having it possibly influence or reset, uh, your worldview, mm. uh, you enjoyed the story. And then you're like, well, okay, there's, there's some subtext here. They, I will say, you know, that the 2019 black Christmas, uh, not a lot of subtext <laughs> it is okay. the text of the movie. But then also you, are definitely sitting there in the theater like wait a minute we've only been in this movie for a little while here it's only been about uh an hour there's no way this is finished so that's like when things turn but i that kill was really fun also am i crazy or did the trailer show like that part where chris is kind of coming around the kitchen island and he jumps down and then like they take the mask off wasn't that a mannequin in the trailer Oh, I don't know, because I hate trailers. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't remember that part. I can only, The only really specific thing I can remember is the attic from the trailer. It might have just been, maybe it was another promotional image, but there's even the uh, the shot where Helena is like going to wash her face and then comes back up and then goes back down and then comes back up and the killer's yeah. like standing in the back behind her. That's not in this movie at all. 
Maybe they're just uh, messing with us. Which I appreciate. Get us to go in and watch this movie. It's like Rogue One did that. Rogue One engineered a whole shot with like Jyn Erso and a TIE fighter that never happened in the actual movie just to build suspense and excitement. And I personally love that. Like, get me hyped for the style of movie you want me to see, but don't ruin it. Oh, I don't like that, actually. Why? I'm down. I, I don't want a trailer to ruin it, but I also don't want you to put scenes that aren't in the movie because then I'm just looking for them the whole time and it serves as like a distraction. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just want something that's going to give me a taste of the of the vibe, of the whole thing. Like, I, I don't that's need what the whole trailers for. Well, I don't need to see. I don't want to. I don't really want to see things that happen exactly in it because then if you watch the trailer, you're just watching the movie. But if I get excited, yeah. then I'm gonna be like, "Ooh, is this really in it, or is it not?" I feel pretty good about that. But in the moment of watching the trailer, you don't know if you're seeing a real thing or not a real thing. So either way, your feelings about it should be the same because you don't know until afterwards. It makes for a better viewing experience. I'm less angry. <laughs> I'm less. Angry. I'm less angry. But how I- are we already starting the arguments here? And this is not even what we're differing opinions on. <laughs> It's okay. I love you. So what about Sin City then? So it got me thinking about Sin City uh, because you – I'm interested very much in your thoughts. This has been also a streak of me programming stuff directed mainly at you because I've heard your criticism before uh, where movies really just rely on the style mm-hmm. as the substance. Yeah. And I feel like though that this one – is guilty of that super that, guilty of it right so but you i i take it based on our like hey here here's some movies we want to do your enthusiasm to revisit it uh that didn't bother you here uh maybe i'm wrong but i just want to know your your take on that looking at it from that that theme of style over substance or style as substance so i guess to go tackle it at, at, from a history perspective i remember when i saw this initially it was almost like a groundbreaking it was very much groundbreaking where you know, we've got lots of we've got this onslaught of, of superhero movies, but nothing had actually tried to take the aesthetic of actual comic and put it on the screen, right? You know, the it's very much uh, a, like you're saying, uh, super style over substance. Um, and but now I watched it, and I was I was sort of put aback by the um, the overuse of that from a uh, internal monologue perspective, right? In, in comics, you get that in the little square box. Right. And here it was just everything was internal monologue. It was very, it was, I, I, from would, men, from our, our male. Yeah. Friends, like just non stop. And it just drove me, it kind of bugged me. Like, did it bug you? Because in a comic, obviously, uh, you know, or, or any sort of written work, uh, the author's voice is going to come right. through. And in this instance, no matter if you have Marv played by Mickey Rourke, you know, kind of like a, uh, not a layabout, but he's he's a guy that if he's not in jail, he's probably on his way to jail. Just sort of like uh, a rough customer versus a retiring cop versus uh, I don't even know what Dwight is so much other than a ladies man who's good in a fight. Mm. Um, but you have different versions, uh, different walks of life as far as these men on different sides of the law. <laughs> and yet they all seem to have the same exact personality the same exact persona. And that, I think I agree with you that voiceover, if you're watching it as one complete film and not as an individual story, right. as a, like a TV series, like an anthology, um, it shines through that pretty much Marv's voice is the same as Hardigan's. And Dwight's. yeah, there's not a lot of change. I yeah. think the only one is, uh, 
is what's his face? The guy, the one guy who, who couldn't make something out of this movie, um, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's the, the character I probably like uh, the most on this rewatch. And it's it's hit, you just hit the nail on the head. It's because he comes in and just does his jobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Just get him out of there. <laughs> I, you know, <clears throat> sorry, COVID. <laughs> you know what's interesting is I watched the movie with that this this thought in mind, and and that movie's Traffic, and okay. I, I revisited Traffic, and I, I I think that movie super holds up. But if you watch it. He's doing some Soderbergh is doing a better version of this of using style as substance. Like if you watch traffic when they go to the Mexican Mexico scenes, it's a very much a different lens, a different grit, a different grain from when he's in uh um Washington DC with Michael Michael Douglas's character. It's a very like a blue haze versus a every single the look uh, of the film changes, ad- adapts itself to correct. the world. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you get like this gritty, grainy-looking Mexico sequence with the drug dealers. It's it's like it's amazing how different it is, but it puts you in that headspace of drugs are like the through line and the and the pain, but it doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. It, it it jumps in. It doesn't matter how it looks. How much money you have or how poor you are or whatever is a fucked up situation. And it, it it does a good job of saying the pain is there. The problem is there no matter where you are and changing your headspace with the style and with obviously with the story, but showing you how it's all still the same, if that makes sense. I, I thought it was an incredible use of style. It's, it's interesting because I remember um... – it's been years since I've I've watched it um, uh, on the Magnolia DVD, presumably on the Blu-ray. They have a pretty long, um, I guess you would say, like a production documentary. Like it just kind of follows from like the the script uh, through the the filming through the the marketing push. Okay, uh, it, it's really it's it's cool and it's like a I think it's like an hour long, uh, but you get little insights into that. Like you actually have. I think it's the DP or maybe it's just someone out of curiosity asking Paul Thomas Anderson before they start shooting. Um, so are like all these various stories uh, that are connected, but for most of the runtime, most of the three hour runtime, they're completely isolated. Like what Julianne Moore's doing is different from Tom Cruise, even though they're connected by family history. Yeah. Uh, and he made a point saying, no, no, it's all got to look the same. I want it to be, be connected the entire time, even if you don't know how it's connected. Uh, and traffic is a good counterpoint. You could do it either way. Right. I think it would be effective because I can't imagine Magnolia where suddenly Julian Moore's segment looks different from William H. Macy's like dramatically yeah. shot different, mm-hmm. but in traffic to your point, I have a hard time now imagining it all looking seamlessly the same. Like when we go to Cincinnati versus going to Mexico, uh, it just wouldn't fit to me. So um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's just what I'm used to. Um, however, with Sin City, I think that I probably have more problems with that uh, characterization—not the visual style, but the characterization or lack thereof. I probably have more problems with it now as an older man than I did when I saw this. Are you getting was, woke? Is that what you're doing here? No. Uh, when I saw this one, I was 22. I, was, I just thought all of it was badass. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like three hundred. Like it's a very yeah. it's a movie very similar to it. Like oh shit, this is dope, dudes and abs. 
I don't think I'd have a problem with it if I just watched one of them. If I just watched one of these three stories from this anthology, I don't think I can pick apart like, ah, that's that's lame or that dialogue or that's let's change or alter this. It's only when I watch them in one combined meal yeah. where I feel a bit stuffed and kind of bloated by the, the hyper masculinity. It, it blends together because you're right. There's not a lot of difference. It's, you know, guy saves girl or protects girl or whatever kill bad guy there's not a lot of difference there and you're right about the perspective of of, of our protagonists you know they're all the same uh, you know it's just even the the villain right the villain is either a psycho dude that eats people or a psycho dude that had his penis shot off and he's whatever <laughs> it's <laughs> even our bad i do like uh that yellow bastard uh calling jessica alba a fat cow as he as he whips her jessica alba as a, a cow uh which mm. i know they're they're trying to play into, you know he's a child predator so so maybe just a grown woman is oversized personally i can never get into that headspace no as you've no documented yeah no you were right there with them <laughs> you probably shed a tear as elijah wood is being chopped to pieces <laughs> Uh, yeah, there, just, uh, okay go ahead Sorry. go ahead no i just i i, I struggle with the movie i mean I, it's okay i mean it's i i so did you previously think it was okay when you first i know when i saw it i thought it was revolutionary i thought it was like oh wow oh, okay. look at look at the style look how awesome this is this is badass you know i thought it was that but then the thing about style over as substance is i think it has a shelf life if it doesn't have it doesn't mm. do something or say something you know what I mean? if it doesn't help the narrative at all then it, there's a shelf life even 300 you know going to th using 300 as an example there's a shelf life there you know there's only so much When's the last time you rewatched 300 or even sin city before doing it for this podcast when's the last time sin city's been a long time years okay uh 300 i think i saw maybe like a few years ago but i have no interest in revisiting it like zero um i just there's not much there you know, they fought and I, I prefer I, I prefer Gerard Butler bloated as Big Nick. That's how I want my Gerard Butler. Too many abs. I I had a hard time uh, with this one. More like I actually felt like I I was like oh I've seen this so many times, and I don't think it's one of those movies I've watched a lot. But you're you're talking about there not being that much there to hang your hat on. Not a lot of meat. Uh, I don't think it's the, it's the rewatchability that contributed to it. I think it's just once you see it, you have a pretty firm grasp of yeah, what it is. That's it. <laughs> so it's that's it. so it felt like something I've seen a hundred times, but uh, not the case. Let me. I will highlight some stuff because it's, it's still a fun movie. It just doesn't have the uh, you know, it just doesn't knock me on my my ass like it probably did in in two thousand five. Like equated to like Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park. Okay. There was that shock and awe of the dinosaurs on the screen. But the movie is so well crafted and, and so fun and, and doing so many other things, rewatchable. It's rewatch endlessly rewatchable. Yeah, I I I mean it's it's anytime you say like let's compare it to Jurassic Park, it's like, well it's gonna lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't Not know what movie could would naturally be an equal uh to Jurassic Park, but you're you're talking about like the absolute classics. Yeah. Then. Um it is interesting how, like, fast, I guess I would say, movies like this do kind of burn out. 
Um, I'm trying to like, what, what do you think is a more recent one? Cause it 300 is a good pick. Cause it's, you know, it's not only is it Frank Miller, but it's that holds that, up or burns out that, that something like in the last few years that like people went nuts about, but you can already see it kind of fading. Avengers Endgame. You know, I've seen some, uh, I think this has been a common refrain for years, but I've seen some tweets where people are just posting, it's like basically like the one perfect shot from, from Endgame. It's it's very trollish and dickish, which I approve of. And when you just take a still image from Endgame of like the Hulk standing next to Black Widow, like in a fucking hangar. I saw that tweet. It, yeah, somebody said like, ugly. why does this look like this? Like, it, it looks is, like it, shit. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have to admit, you know, the, the movie magic or just like a TV series wanting to see the finale episode, like how do they resolve all this? I didn't stop and be like, God, this looks awful in the moment. Uh, I also didn't think it was great looking. Like you're saying with Sin City, when I came out of that, I was like, that was a cool looking movie. Yeah. I still think it's cool looking. Yeah, it still that is. Stuff yeah. still holds up. Um, but yeah, Endgame, when, <laughs> like you and I could go on the Twitter feed, which we won't because uh, we hate it. But I've really started to hate Twitter, by the way. I'm, 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 I'm going to my... dentist land yeah. here, man. Next yeah. thing you know, I'm just going to be want to picked up and cradled. Drop the pod being leak and uh, just be done with it. Let them, let them respond to a link. But if you and I just posted uh, a Sin City shot, like I might just do it on our Instagram right now, uh, not Twitter, by God. I think people would just like it because it's like, oh, that's a pretty picture. Mm. Endgame. I, that I does mean, not hold I, up. I saw that tweet and I sort of recoiled. I'm like, oh, did I watch a movie that, that was that bad looking? Not only that, but the number one movie of all time is atrocious to look at with an asterisk you know because they oh we're, we're uh, they... cooking the books and all yeah, that. yeah. Be- begging for votes i mean i know how you are you're, you're you're champion gone with the wind is actually the number one movie of all time ticket sales homie who went to the theater not that you paid 75 dollars for your ticket i'm which... not putting a still image of gone with the wind on our marcus played uh without any sort of, without any sort of explanation because in these times uh i don't know what sort of fan base that would track for us so there is, I guess, uh, maybe we're being too hard on Sensity from the narrative point of view that as far as just looking at it as pure spectacle, it still totally holds up 15 years later, whereas Endgame, a year later, people are coming to the conclusion that it looked like shit. It looked like yeah. absolute trash. Yeah. And I think not just not just the fact that it looked like shit, but I think that that movie is really bloated. I mean, it's, I mean, the runtime is what, three something hours? But it's yeah. three hours of Back to the Future 2 or whatever it is. You know, it's three hours of just – it's an overstuffed meal. It's it's like bad Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like somebody made bad turkey for Thanksgiving and you ate way too much of it. It just don't feel good. I like that. I like how you're uh, tying it into the uh, holiday coming up uh, next week. It's almost as if <laughs> we have our head in the game uh, yeah. for and a of month. Course- before we we fall off track again, yeah, I mean, we're like uh, we're like recovering uh, addicts or something. We just we fall off the wagon from time to time. We we grab the beer. We, we're shaking like Pookie and, uh, and uh, the podcast that we try to feature. Are thankful that we go off the grid for a little bit. Like, please stop attaching <laughs> our hard work and fandom to this. And then you then you've got your gelatinous laziness of of not creating a tweet. You don't even tweet at the person. <laughs> Like just... I feel like that's just doing them a service now. Like they don't need. Like I look, I was there for the recording. I know what we talked about. No need to drag them into this publicly. It's <laughs> it's fine if they discover it on their own. Or, or it's even more horrifying. I'm gonna go to a positive place. Okay. Brittany Murphy, 
It makes me sad. It makes me sad watching it now. How is this positive? She overdosed. We just we're we're just I just used uh, recovering drug addicts as a pun. <laughs> you bring bring Brittany Murphy to the conversation. She, Come on, man. She uh she had something. She like she was like yeah, she an addiction. Hiro. Come on now. We got like five minutes left of positivity and like we can't we can't do our requiem for a dream material here. Uh, <laughs> I guess that is depressing, but like yeah. what I'm saying is like she has okay, she has a smaller part than Jessica Alba. But look she's the how, waitress. Look what she does with it more like to me she is more like the damsel in distress of all the damsels, even though we hear endlessly about nancy and like her mm. effect on men and all this yeah. and jessica alba is like doing a, a katie holmes thing where it's like yeah you've you've got all the genetic makeup to be a movie star but you have none of the charm where is it Brittany yeah, Murphy had it because Brittany murphy you in this movie you, you see the abuse that she's suffering at the hands of what's his name uh, benicio del toro's nose and you were <laughs> She does an excellent job of selling that uh, sort of how she's caught. Like she's almost forced to be in that spot. Like it's a uh, it's a relationship of convenience for her. I think you know she's she's battered and bruised, and but then you've got uh, Clive Owen there to save her. I guess I like the sequence where she's taunting Jackie Boy, played by Benicio del toro and clive owen is just standing off the side now presumably the way they shot this they're probably not even on the same stage <laughs> he's just yeah moved in uh all of them on a green screen uh but he's just watching her just go nuts she is uh taunting jackie boy through the door won't let him in saying that she's got uh, like an entire football team in there mm. and clive owen is just stoically just watching her just like go rip into this guy uh, that's part of my, I guess, accusation against the film that, you know, maybe have like a lead female character, like have a bit of fun because the dudes are for the most part stoic and boring, which is why I like Jackie Boy the most. It's why I like Benicio Del Toro because he's the only one that's lively. And in that sequence, most importantly, Jairo, he looks at his buddies and he sort of says under his breath, I'm not a racist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's Cover. awful. He, he abuses women. He's a crooked cop. But he wants like even those guys, much like in our maga days uh they have all they wear all the 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 armor of being racist but then they're like no 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 no. I, i'm not i'm not racist i just prefer all sorts of policies in place that <laughs> keep the status quo and i like how you just put it in the past tense our maga days because presumably this will drop after the election so you are uh you're calling your shot is that what you're doing i you're told you i'm trying to end on a positive note and all you bring up is Brittany murphy's addiction and i'm just saying she had quite the screen presence my taste as a teenager was proven correct and uh yeah uh i really like Brittany murphy and i'd like a new president I'm <laughs> michael denniston calling his shot on marcus <laughs> played here you know who would make a great president is that Kevin Costner. I would agree with you on that. Uh, it'd be nice if uh, we had many podcasts, many episodes on Kevin Costner, but the man only gets one for his vast career, his life's work that he's given us that I think you and I both have enjoyed. You know, he, what he really needs is one more episode. One more episode, maybe, to encapsulate it. What actor would you say, like, let's, let's, would you like to see in the office president? Like, what actor do you think would make a good president? Captain America? Have they had to 
play a president before on screen, no, or you're just saying... No, just say actor, actress, or whatever, anybody. I mean, I'm going to go with the easy one, which is the one that gets routinely got thrown out there, that he's going to start eventually dabbling in politics. The Rock. But, uh, the Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Absolutely. Bring it on. Oof. Can you imagine? I, yes, I imagine. A president that big. Like, I, I hope he keeps working out. Like, he does the Stallone thing and keeps injecting himself into, you know, the testosterone and all that stuff. And he, he got this, like, massive hulking president. Yeah, one that can actually uh, hold a glass of water without having to use two hands. Or can walk down uh, a ramp. You know, like, our, the current president, when he, you know, early in his presidency, he had this thing when he met, like, dignitaries or people. He would, like, shake their hand and, like, yank them like, to show his incredible strength. Now, with the rock in there, you can see like it actually working. Like his his suit is like tearing off the hand that he's grabbing. Of, like little Macron is like crippling under his size. Yeah, Putin has to look up. I like it. We could sing until.